New technologies alter the structure of our interests, the things we think about. They alter the character of our symbols, the things we think with, and they alter the nature of community, the arena in which thoughts develop. That excerpt is from Technopoly by Neil Postman, and that's one of the books that we'll be talking about in today's episode, so stay tuned. For the eyes of the world, now look into space, to the moon, and to the planets beyond. This is The Space Shot, episode 439, What I Read in 2023. I'm John Mullix. Happy New Year to everyone listening. Uh, 2023 was full of amazing changes for our family. Uh, Little Astrid is snoozing in her swing as I'm recording this in my new office out in the living room since we uh, had to convert a bedroom into uh, her little nursery here a few months ago. pretty incredible how fast things have changed. Um, I know we're all excited for what the future holds. Um, We're going to be seeing some uh, family members over the coming months um, that we haven't seen for a while, so that's going to be fun. Um, And even with all the crazy things going on in the world, uh, we're just taking the time to make meaningful memories with those that are close to us. So I implore you to do the same um, as we start off this new year. Uh, For this episode, I'm going to be talking about some of the books I read in 2023. Um, There's a lot uh, like, you know, science fiction or fiction books that I read that I'm not going to be talking about on the list today, Uh, but I'm happy with reading about, I think it was 29 or 30 books this past year. Um, Looking back at what I read, um, I've been taking notes throughout the year. I'm really glad I started doing that this year. Um, I had a handwritten notebook that I would Uh, do a brief synopsis of the books that I read. Um, If I needed to take notes on some of those books, I would. Um, Some of the books had more notes than others, but I'm really glad that I started doing this just because it it gave me a list to go back on. Uh, Excuse me, number one, but number two, it also is just nice for some of these history books or denser books to have kind of an outline of what I learned from the book already written. Um, really, really something that I'm going to be doing in the future. And if you're a reader like me, I would recommend, you know, taking physical notes, not just typing it up on a computer, uh, but handwriting, um, I found to be really useful. Um, Without any further delay, let's jump into the list itself. And then at the end of this podcast, I'll talk about the author that I thought was most impactful um, this past year. Um, So, Number one, and these are just in order of when I read them in the year. Um, So first up, we have Soviets in Space by Colin Burgess. Um, This was a brief, albeit excellent, look at the Soviet space program. Um, There's other books that dive into the topic in more detail, but this is a great place to start. Um, I enjoyed the brevity and was excited to pass this uh, copy along to a younger cousin who is very interested in space and aviation. Uh, Second book I read was Space Craze by Margaret Whitecamp. Um, This looked at the Cold War period and the confluence of pop culture, science fiction, and space history. Um, It was an interesting read, uh, but not in the top three or top five of my favorite books for the year. Um, Third one was The Space Shuttle by Roland Miller. Lots of great pictures in the book, but I found the presentation distracting as many of the photos on the pages didn't relate to what was being discussed on the page. Um, So, you know, editing that slightly different way, I think, would have made it a more impactful book. 
Um, next up, we have Son of Apollo by Chris Rusa. Um, this was an intimate look at his dad's life. Um, Stu Rusa led a fascinating life outside of NASA uh, before and after he flew on Apollo 14. Uh, that was another one of those books that I gave to one of my cousins. Um, the next one, and this is one of my favorite books of the year, was The New Guys by Meredith Bagby. Um, this covers a period of history that I think deserves way more attention than it has uh, than it has gotten. And I think that's going to start to change as we start to approach the 50th anniversaries of those first shuttle flights. Um, the TFNGs or the... <laughs> There's a very colorful word for that one, but this is a family podcast, um, so you can Google that one if you want to. The blank new guys, um, the stories of the first women and people of color who joined NASA, um, their friendships, rivalries, and passions they shared, I, I think are just the stuff of legend, just as much as the Apollo astronauts. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me was um, Ray Seddon and Ronald McNair didn't know how to swim when they um, applied to the astronaut corps and they actually kind of struggled during the water survival part. So they, um, after that, they decided to take swim lessons together and they taught, you know, they, they helped each other learn how to swim, which just kind of blew my mind reading that. Um, I highly recommend this book. Um, it's The New Guys by Meredith Bagby. And uh, links to all of these books will be in the show notes. Um, I'll try to link to Amazon and then to the publisher directly so you can purchase, you know, not through Amazon if you don't have to. Next up is The Map That Changed the World, William Smith and the Birth of Modern Geology by Simon Winchester. Uh, this is a look at the history and one of the fathers of modern geology, William Smith. Um, I thought it was a fascinating narrative and a look uh, into the tensions between science and religion during that time. Um, there's the difficulty of breaking through the establishment in England as well during the, was the 17th and 18th centuries. Um, Simon Winchester has written a few other books that are currently on my shelf that I want to read. Um, I really enjoyed his uh, writing style, so this was a fun one to check out. And this is an older one, um, but Chasing Venus, The Race to Measure the Heavens by Andrea Wolfe um, was a really fun read. I wish I'd read it back when the transit was happening a few years ago. Um, but this book talks about the first truly international scientific undertaking, um, much like the International Geophysical Year, the polar expeditions, Antarctica, uh, Antarctic research, and eventually now the Artemis Accords, if I can be so bold. Um, this really covers the history of one of those first international undertakings. I really enjoyed the story. Um, the perils that these scientists endured in the pursuit of knowledge is truly staggering. Um, personal loss, financial loss, um, death in a lot of cases. Um, it, it's stunning how much these scientists went through um, to expand our knowledge um, to understand how big Earth's orbit was using the, the transit of Venus and the sun to calculate um, the, the physical properties of our solar system. I think it was just a really fun uh, story. Um, highly recommend Chasing Venus by um, Andrea Wolf. Uh, next up, um, number eight, this is Amusing Ourselves to Death, Public Discourse in the Age of Show Business by Neil Postman. Um, this book was written in 1985, so there are some dated references, but I don't think it takes away from the work. Um, TV at the time, and I add, you know, in my um, 
from what I've seen, social media is even more pernicious today as a form of essentially SOMA to lull a population and dull their critical thinking skills. Um, Postman talks about how complexity, nuance, rationality, all of these are diluted and the loss of these skills is leading to trouble in our current society. Um, it's really interesting. Some of the, the questions that he raises and some of the questions that I kind of was asking myself while reading this book, um, you know, can, can humanity keep the progress it's made over the past few centuries from the time of enlightenment to the modern day without having the ability to think complex thoughts or have nuance or, you know, rational thoughts. Um, this is the first of a few books I read by Postman last year. Um, definitely recommend this one. Number nine, um, Plunder. This is Private Equity's Plan to Pillage America by Brendan Ballou. Um, the author comes at this topic from a position where they worked to uh, limit the effects of private equity when they were in the Obama, and I, I think it was just the Obama administrations, but it might have been Obama and Bush. Um, I don't think it takes away uh, the author's ideological priors. I don't think it takes away from the central thesis of the book, which is that private equity is largely extractive as opposed to, you know, a value growing um, business. Um, it's shocking how far private equity has wriggled into every corner of life from hospitals, pet supply stores, veterinarians, dentists. Um, health clinics, businesses were, um, you know, that were once profitable and the owners, you know, owned their buildings, they had assets, they were bought up by private equity firms who essentially sold and leased back these once assets to the business. Um, it's a move that just basically extracts value at the expense of a healthy business. Um, I want to say Petco and PetSmart are kind of perfect examples for this. Um, if you've ever wondered why their aisles are always full of unstocked items waiting to be placed on a shelf, it's not due to COVID-related staffing issues, but because, because how those businesses are now run, essentially. Um, just a lack of, lack of hourly workers to do the jobs that they actually need to be done. So <laughs> a lot of things suffer for the customer experience because of that. Um, I thought it was an interesting read. I didn't agree with everything in the book, but definitely made me think a little bit about how and where I spend my money now. Uh, number 10, Timefulness, How Thinking Like a Geologist Can Help Save the World by Marsha uh, Bjornud. Apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. I agree with her assertion that societies need to think in a longer geologic term time frame. Um, Earth is not as static as we've long believed. Um, the fact that, you know, like when I drive out to Western Kansas for work, the Arkansas River is essentially a dry, sandy, um, just dust bowl <laughs> um, that, you know, once flew back, or you know, it was uh, flowing back in the 1970s, I think. Um, the river still f uh, flowed through Western Kansas, um, but due to agriculture, due to um, a lot of irrigation out there to basically make once, you know, very arid or semi-arid land into fertile farmland, that water has been used up. Um, anyways, back to the book here. Um, the argument of the author is, I think, undercut because she ignores technologies like nuclear power or, you know, eventually space-based solar, um, other improvements in efficiency, um, these technologies that could help slow and ultimately end humanity's reliance on gas and oil. Um, and it's sad how we have the capability to build nuclear reactors that are 
uh, safer than the ones that were built 50 years ago. Um, but a lot of these technologies have been prevented um, from rolling out due to a confluence of lobbying from oil and gas and green energy proponents. Um, the last two chapters of this book really drug on and they get very repetitive. Um, overall, I thought the book helped me look at conservation in a different way, which was fun, um, fun thing to do. Um, but I think the, the overall message of her book could have been a little bit tighter um, had there been a little bit more consistency with pursuing things that could actually reverse a lot of the human impacts on the planet, but that were ultimately ignored due to her ideological priors. And I could be totally wrong on that. She may have totally different ideology than that, but that's just kind of the, the gist of what I got from reading the book. Um, next book, um, and this is another one by Neil Postman, is Technopoly, The Surrender of Culture to Technology by Neil Postman. Um, I think this is one of the most important books that I read in 2023, especially since my wife and I just welcomed our first little baby here, uh, little Astrid, into our lives this September. And amazingly, 15 minutes after starting recording this podcast, she is still sound asleep. So I'm going to take that win while I can get it. Um... Postman argues in this book that the information environment has totally changed how modern societies, especially the United States, um, how these societies function. This has led to the United States becoming, as what Postman calls, the first technocracy. Um, the age-old norms of society have become basically invisible as businesses, governments, people push towards efficiency at all costs. Um Postman has a lot of points, um, a lot of arguments in this book, but one of the big ones that stood out to me was that he argues that education reform is necessary and that teaching something he calls the ascent of humanity could help us rediscover what has been lost over the past few decades. Um, I think that's really uh, interesting for me. Um, one of the things he calls out is that you know every history or every teacher could be a history teacher. There's the history of music. There's the history of science. There's the history of math. There's the history behind all of these other topics. And I think that's something just from anecdotally from what I've seen that is lacking um, in a lot of STEM programs is there's not the historical context of how and why these things were developed. Um, I guess I was lucky, um, with, with what I learned in school, um, and the books I read. Um, but I think Postman was really ahead of his time, um, since many of the arguments he makes are reinforced, um, because of the rise of social media and the internet, which weren't really things when he was alive and writing, um, especially social media, um, but the arguments he makes are reinforced because social media has shortened attention spans of adults and kids. Um, and many of the problems he identified in the book have become worse. Um, the book is one of the reasons that I've stepped back a lot from social media. So if you've noticed, I'm not posting on Facebook for the space shot as much or other platforms. That is why. Um, I think this might be the most important book I read all year. Um, it's really fascinating. Um, there's used copies available. Libraries have copies. Um, but Technopoly by Neil Postman, I think, is uh, my favorite book of the year. Uh, number 12, uh, Cobalt Red, How the Blood of the Congo Powers Our Lives by Siddharth Kara. Um, this book is a damning indictment of the dark side of the green energy future that powers electric cars, computers, really modern life. 
Um, the plight of a, what are essentially modern-day slaves mining quote-unquote artisanal cobalt in Africa is truly shocking. Uh, many of these people work 15, 16-plus-hour days in conditions where they are knee-deep in water polluted by industrial mining chemicals, and they're scraping by to make anywhere from $1 to $5 a day. Um, the health pop problems in these populations, um, just rampant rape, um, infant mortality. It's a, this book is just a truly shocking look um, at the lives of some of the most vulnerable people in the world who also make modern life possible. So just something to kind of think about for that. Um, I challenge you to read this book before dismissing it. Um, there is an unimaginable human toll um, and just the complete loss of dignity for, especially like, you know, this book focuses on the Congolese people um, just for the sake of cheap batteries. I, I think it's a, mo a stain on our modern advanced society. Um, Last time I looked, I think this book is going to be turned into a movie or a documentary at some point. Um, but definitely recommend um, reading Cobalt Red by Siddharth Kara. Um, it is a difficult read in parts. Um, I, I read this over the summer and I had to put it down a few times because there was definitely some difficult things to, to read through. Um, but worth reading nonetheless. Uh, the next book, I kind of stayed with the technology theme on these last few. Um, this one is Technology and the American Way of War Since 1945 by Thomas Bankin. Um, this is, a, I think, a fascinating look um, from the post-World War II to the early 2000s period. Um, his, his, one of his... Uh, main points is that technology is only as good as the strategy um, or the culture, um, as he argues in the conclusion of the book. Um, how can the military build and encourage cultures of high performance within the branches? Um, he's one of the authors, there's a lot of the authors I've talked about today that I want to get on the podcast. Um, but I, I enjoyed this book um, definitely in the top 10 for what I read this year. Um, we're going to stick with technology for this next one, um, but going back a little bit to the birth of aviation, the winged gospel by Joseph Korn. Um, I think it's an interesting history of how aviation fanatics, as we call them now, spread the word or gospel of aviation during the early years, years of human flight. Um, how humans first viewed flight pre-World War I and World War II compared to the present day has changed drastically. Um, early, early aviation pioneers really leaned into the, the human need for transcendence, um, and aviation kind of offered that. You're literally slipping away from the surly bonds of Earth, as the, uh, the famous poem goes. Um, this is partly why I think humans love space and airplanes and spaceships. Um, these things, the, you know, these technologies, these places offer a physical representation of transcending the normal day-to-day -day, um, of our physical world. Uh, next up, number 15, uh, Wichita, where aviation took wing by the Gretman Group. Um, it's a quick overview of Wichita's aviation history, fantastic pictures, and um, I really enjoyed how the book is organized. Um, the Gretemann Group also made an excellent uh, history installation at Wichita's airport. So the next time you fly to Wichita, 
I'd say spend 15, 20 minutes looking at the wonderful displays of the aviation history in the region. Um, this display is upstairs just before you go through the TSA checkpoint or just after you exit the secure part of the airport. Uh, next up, The Arsenal of Democracy by A.J. Bame or Bime. Um, I enjoyed this look um, at the incredible industrial might um, that the United States brought to bear during World War II. Um, this story focuses on the Ford family and the production of the B-24 Liberator. Um, it is a fascinating read that sheds light on the Fords, Charles Lindbergh, um, how those airplanes went from basically being uh, you know, built one at a time. I think it was, uh, it was the Republic B-24 Fairchild. I forget the manufacturer of the B-24, um, but basically the original manufacturer was making each B-24 essentially by hand and how they transformed that into an assembly line where they were cranking out a bomber an hour was just fascinating. Um, definitely in the top five books for me this year. Uh, number 17 is Farnsworth's Classical English Style by Ward Farnsworth. Um, I've been reading this in bits and pieces as needed. I found it an excellent resource as I seek to hone my writing skills. Um, another one by Ward Farnsworth is The Practicing Stoic. Um, I just got that book at the end of uh, 2023, um, and I'm hoping to read it every day, so I guess I shouldn't be counting this one as one of the books for last year, but I've been kind of skipping around in it um, a little bit because um, I've been interested in Stoicism for a while. Um, on that topic, uh, The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday is a daily reader with quotes and explanations um, of the thoughts from some of history's most important thinkers, from Marcus Aurelius to Seneca. Um, and Stoicism isn't just, you know, not having feelings or anything like that. It's, it's an interesting way of viewing the world that I think is useful in our current society where you're supposed to be outraged or have an opinion on something immediately. I think... The, how, how the ancients thought about the human condition, um, what it means to live a good life. I think slowing down and doing things a little bit differently than we're expected to nowadays is useful. Um, and I've really enjoyed um, reading about these Stoics over the past couple of years. Um, another book by Ryan Holiday, this is number 20, um, is The Daily Dad. Um, it's another one of those daily readers with quotes and important pieces of advice from dads or more generally just parents from all cultures and works uh, and walks of life. Um, I think this has been a fun one to read, and it's one of the books that I read to Astrid um, usually every day or so, but depends on how cranky she is now that she's getting teeth in here. Um, one of the fictional books I read this year, and this one made the list just because I've, I've always enjoyed the Vince Flynn series, um, even though now that Kyle Mills um, took over after Vince's passing a while ago. Um, I've been a fan of the Mitch Rapp character in this series for a long time. I think it's been out for, gosh, like 20 years or something like that. Um, anyways, the plot of this book centers around the Russians flooding drug markets with an addictive drug that has devastating consequences for those who take it. Um, it overwhelms Western institutions through asymmetrical and unconventional means. Definitely a fun piece of fiction. Um, anything by Vince Flynn, uh, highly recommend if you're into that kind of spy thriller um, type of book. Number 22 is 
and on that bombshell by Richard Porter. Um, this has amusing anecdotes and stories from one of my favorite shows, the BBC or uh, the BBC Top Gear, or as they joke, Top So-Called Gear. Um, pretty wild the amount of things that changed from the you know the beginning of the production run of the BBC Top Gear um, to when the show was canceled. Um, pretty wild stories in there. So if you're a fan of Top Gear, Cars, the BBC, or, you know, just how TV shows are produced, I thought it was a fun book. Uh, number 23, Nuts and Bolts by Roma Agrawal. I think, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm sorry if that is wrong. Um, it's an interesting look at the literal nuts and bolts that make modern societies work. Um, I received a galley copy of this before publication. Um, definitely recommend it to anyone interested in engineering or understanding how modern societies are literally built. I thought it was a fascinating read. Um, hope to have her on the podcast sometime soon. Number 24, um, this is another galley copy that I received for this one, but it's uh, Come Fly With Me, The Rise and Fall of TWA by Daniel L. Rust and Alan B. Hoffman. Um, so glad I found out about this book. It's a fascinating look at an iconic airline and the aviation industry from its inception to the immediate aftermath of 9-11. Um, I'm really looking forward to hopefully having the authors on the podcast here soon in the next few weeks. So be on the lookout for this future episode. And the number 25, so it was actually a little bit less than I thought uh, for these history books, but I guess by the time I include... Uh, all the fiction that I read were definitely over 30 books, but number 25 for the book uh, for this episode. Um, and it's one that I am almost finished with. So I, I guess I can count it for 2023, but I've still got probably about a third of it that I need to finish today's Sunday, January 7th. So I'm hoping I can finish it today. I didn't have a chance last weekend. Um, but this one is Hands of Time by Rebecca Struthers. Um, I heard Rebecca on a episode of Econ Talk with Russ Roberts, and I'm so glad I picked up a copy of this book from the library here in Wichita. Um, I'm going to wrap up this episode before I get too much more into the book, but I, I think this book was just fascinating. Um, it starts out with a look on clocks, astronomy, and history, all favorite topics of mine. Um, and I am in awe of Rebecca's skills as a watchmaker. Um, the, the skill set and the precision that she brings to her work is just orders of magnitude more precise than what I do with the jewelry that I work on. Um, you know, the stone setting that I do for large diamonds or precious stones, a lot of it's just done by, you know, how I look at the stone and then the feel of setting it. Uh, whereas the work that she does on watches is just imperceptibly, imperceptibly precise. Um, even to someone who like me, who's been a jeweler for about 19 years now. So, um, I would love to have her on the podcast in the future, especially because the, the importance that clocks, um, play in you know, a role in astronomy in sciences. I really enjoyed that, that part of the book where she goes over those things. Um, so definitely recommend picking up a copy of the hands of time by Rebecca Struthers. I'm looking forward to finishing it. Um, but before I go, I just want to say I think the most impactful author on my worldview this past year has been Neil Postman. Um, my wife and I have made a conscious decision to raise Astrid without the use of iPads, um, you know, save for the occasional Reading Rainbow app 
use um, and she won't be using a smartphone either. Um, we've decided to not share a bunch of pictures of her on social media as well. Um, she could decide to share those pictures when she's an adult if she wants to. Um, and obviously, if there's like a group family picture, cool, like that, that kind of thing, you know not opposed to, but we're just trying to limit how much we are exposed to social media just because we know how much of a sponge those little kiddos can be. Um, I know I see a lot of kids, some as young as five or six, using smartphones without parental supervision. You know, even with the appropriate safeguards, we don't fully understand the ways that a constantly connected culture is rewiring our brains. Um, current research and studies show that smartphone use for children is very concerning. Um, much of what Neil Postman was worried about with TV being a SOMA for the masses has been amplified by an order of magnitude with social media. Um, attention, attention spans are really now measured in milliseconds versus minutes. Um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed reading um, over the past year, and it's not a book, but it will be soon, um, is by John Haidt and Zach Rausch. They have a substack called After Babel, or After Babel. <laughs> I can never remember how to pronounce that one, um, but basically I think it's after Babel, um, but it looks at the current state of the mental health crisis in kids um, that has been brought about by social media usage. Um, I'm linking to that um, in the show notes as well as links to all of the books in the show notes, and I recommend you check those out. Um 2024 is going to be a fun year. I'm going to try to have as many author interviews as I can. Um, and hopefully you guys didn't mind the change, you know, not instead of doing a retrospective of the news of 2023, I wanted to do a retrospective of the books I read in 2023. Um, would love to hear what your favorite book you read last year was. So send me an email, john at thespaceshot.com. Um, if you have a book recommendation or if there's one that you think I should have on the podcast, an author that I should talk to, um, please reach out. Let me know. I love hearing from people. Um, it, it really, it makes me want to do more episodes. So please send me messages if you are, if you have a recommendation, um, or you enjoyed one of the tips, uh, or recommendations for books that I gave you here today. Um, that is it for now. Um, I will probably catch everybody beginning of February. We are going to Florida at the end of January to see some family. Um, and hopefully I will be able to catch a launch with little Astrid here. I know I'll be taking her to Kennedy Space Center, uh, the American Space Museum in Titusville as well. So lots of space things in the future. Um, and I'll be sharing some podcasts after that. If you haven't done already, um, I would love if you could leave a review uh, for the podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Um, if you have any feedback, send it again, john at thespaceshot.com. would love to hear from you. And until next time, I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>